What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Grace in the Gray podcast today. I am joined by Sam. What's up, Sam? Hey. And also by Rick. Hey, everybody. And also by James. Show producer, James. Greetings. Here on the Grace in the Gray podcast, we use the black and white of scripture to speak into the gray areas of our lives. Sam has some questions about a gray area, but before we get to that, my good brother Rick has a disclaimer for you. Yeah, I'm really excited before we get to Sam's episodes for this episode in particular, and I won't blow it, but I do want to make kind of a a disclaimer before we get started. Uh, One of the things that I love about where we get to work and this podcast in general is that it gives us the freedom to disagree or to form our own opinions at Cedar Creek Church, which is where we call home. Um, We have this kind of statement that we've thrown around a lot where um, on the essentials, we have unity. And when it comes to the Bible, we're talking about the things that are black and white. So the things that we're using to hopefully speak into some of the gray areas of our life on this podcast, on those, we have unity. Uh, If you want to put a big religious word on it, I would say the salvific issues of Christian faith, the things that result in us being saved, calling Jesus our Lord and Savior, the gospel, Jesus is the only way, truth, and life, all of those kind of things. We would say that these are these are essential doctrines that we hold to and have very little, if any, wiggle room at all, um, as painted in the, the pages of Scripture. Um, and the second part of that expression is that on the non-essentials, we have freedom. Uh, and that's a really cool thing where there is gray areas that our Bible doesn't explicitly spell out word for word what we should do. Now, Cedar Creek Church obviously has beliefs that exist in that gray area where we formed our opinions. But we want you to understand as you listen to this, and one of the really cool things that makes me excited for this episode in particular is that we have, even as workers in this organization, freedom to differ and freedom to kind of find where we land based on Scripture. And we do try to unpack Scripture in all those kind of areas, but we have freedom to do that and freedom to disagree, which I think is a cool thing that's lost in our society today, that it's that it's not necessarily this way or the highway, this way or you're an idiot, this way or you're wrong. We have freedom to kind of discuss and do that. And so today's topic uh, we're going to talk about, and there's it's, there's a tremendous amount of gray area. I won't blow it again before we get started. But I do want to make the disclaimer that this may not be, uh, and I don't know where everybody's going to fall on the topic that we're going to discuss, but some of the ex- opinions expressed today may not be the opinion of the organization that we work for being Cedar Creek Church. And it may not be the opinion that you have of the topic that we're going to talk about, but it's really cool that we're just going to kind of flow and have a conversation that may even change our opinions. And I think that's an awesome lesson for us to learn through this podcast, that there's freedom to discuss and dialogue without even necessarily having to have a solidly formed opinion. Like we can form opinions through discussion like this. And we hope that's what you do. And listening to this podcast, it's never been intended for you to come in here and take our opinion as one of those non-negotiable, closed-hand issues of the Christian faith. It's just us trying to encourage one another and maybe shine a light on an area that you might have some questions or confusion. So that's the disclaimer. If you want to know where Cedar Creek falls on the issue, you're more than welcome to check out our website. Sam will link it in the show notes, and it'll be there. You can look at all of our beliefs and find out where we stand on those non or on those rather those essential issues rather so mm-hmm. cool throw it to you sam hit us so um speaking of the website you can also kind of find the outline for this little mini series i wanted to touch on a couple different topics that relate to church practices and those can kind of be outlined in our on our website under next steps mm-hmm. so those look like church membership serving being baptized joining a home group and I'm probably leaving one out. But today, I want to jumpstart the series with church membership. After a conversation we had in one of our staff meetings um, in preparation for promoting and sharing with our church family that we have this membership class coming up, we kind of started a dialogue or a debate, if you will. And I wanted to continue that around the table today so that everyone can enjoy our conversation. 
So when it comes to church membership, I started doing some research and I found an article from Acts 29 that I'll link to in the show notes. And it talks about the meaning behind church membership or why you should become a member of a church. So it kind of broke up the topic into um, a few different sections. And the first section was church body. So would I be considered part of the church body if I'm not an official member? And what does it mean to be a, quote, member of a church? Am I a member if I am attending or serving or giving one of those three? Or do I have to check all the boxes? This is where I pass it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think this is such an interesting conversation because it also slams into, and this is kind of where when we were having the discussion in our dialogue and my mind has gone since there, it kind of slams into one of the personality traits that's, I wouldn't say, in every member of my generation, and I'm a millennial, but it's kind of become a more trending personality trait in our generation, which is this struggle with maybe, I don't know, lack of commitment is the right word, but this, I don't want to tie myself down to something because something else may come up. And so I think lack of commitment is the best, is the best wording for that. And I think some of this conversation, especially in our generation, as it relates to church membership stems out of this why do I need to do this? Is this a commitment that's really worth making? And what does it mean if I make the commitment? But I think maybe the heart of the question that you're asking, and maybe I'll toss this to Ben, is, is there a reason that I should be a member of a church, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll throw it to Ben and maybe we'll continue the discussion. Yeah, the way that the question has kind of been bouncing around in my head since we had that discussion is just basically, is is church membership biblical? Mm -hmm. Um, And that... That ends up being a, a much more complicated question than you might expect, because then you have to ask yourself a question of what what do we mean by biblical and what do we mean by membership, <laughs> which is pretty much that entire question also comes into question. Right. Um, so if by membership you mean a commitment to the church, that could mean one thing. If by membership you mean the formalized process of the Baptist church, the Presbyterian church, the Catholic church, that may result in different answers. Uh, if by biblical you mean explicitly referenced um, in a very clear and doctrinal way, that would be one answer. If you mean is supported, that would be one answer. <laughs> if you mean is it anti-biblical or is it not anti-biblical, that's a mm. different question when it comes My head's to head spinning now. Yeah, <laughs> that, but that's what I mean. Is I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> most people, when they ask that question, when they think of that question, when they approach that question, have already answered what do we mean by membership and what do we mean by biblical well before they ever start the Mm -hmm. conversation and don't realize it. Um, And then they barrel on ahead with argumentation, taking an answer that may not be shared by the person they're having the discussion with. So I guess that that would be what I'm wondering about is when we talk about membership, what what do you guys think of? What do you what do you think would be the most important thing to keep at the center of this conversation when we discuss membership? I think the the big word that jumps out at me since we've done it when it comes to membership, kind of the, I don't know if synonym's the right word, and I don't know that's what I'm trying to do here, but the big word that sticks out in my head is a is a commitment. And if I could even add another word to that, it would be a covenant commitment or even a maybe a covenant belonging to. And so for me, as I've thought through this question and kind of prepped to have this discussion, I've kind of reframe the question like you said like everybody's coming to this with a different framework you know what i mean and all of those kind of questions that you laid out is shifted the question in my head is is it biblical or is it necessary kind of answering both of those to have a covenant commitment to and i would answer this maybe in two different parts to a 
local body to a to part of the local church and then is it is it is it essential or is it important for a Christian to have a covenant commitment to the church as it's a larger organization? You know, the church global, the big C church is what we call it here. Um, I would contend, I'll just, I'll be the one that jumps in and throws my opinion out and then everybody can smack me around if you want to. I, I would contend that the answer to that question is yes. Now, I, I think you can have some freedom to, to debate semantics in this, like what is church membership? But what I do find throughout the pages of scripture, regardless of the wording that we find, and we'll talk about all of this. I know one of the things that'll come up is Paul's letter to the church at Corinth in first Corinthians 12 through 14, where he's kind of giving this illustration of a body. Um, and we are members of a body. Now, obviously that's not, you can't take that word for word because he's not talking about you are members belonging to a church. He's, he's using that, that fra- the phraseology there as a, as a part of that illustration. But the point of that illustration still remains that we are all part of it. And then interestingly enough to me, I kind of unpacked from there walking out of first Corinthians 12 and then found in Ephesians chapter one and in Colossians, where Paul uses similar wording, but to make it where Christ is the head of the church. And that's kind of the pic- picture of the big C global church. Whereas what he does in first Corinthians 12 through 14 is a much smaller picture because he gives illustrations of us as believers being part of the head w- with the eye, you know, all that kind of stuff, talking about the eye, the mm-hmm. ear, all of those kind of things as part of the body. And so I would say for you as a believer, it is essential to you experiencing, in my opinion, it is essential to you experiencing the fullness of what God is calling you to in a relationship with him that you would belong to a local church. And I have a, I have a couple other reasons, but I'll, I'll let somebody smack me around or tell me that I'm wrong or tell me that they agree with me based off of where I started that conversation. Well, my first thought is you said, yes, we should be a member of a church, whether it's local or global. Well, what makes me the, a member? Do I have to sign the covenant? Is that the only thing that makes me a member? Because I can yeah. sign a membership agreement, but then not participate in the church. Or I could participate fully. I could serve on Sunday mornings and I could give and I could go on outreach trips and be in a home group, but never have signed this document. That means I'm not a member. Hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of where it gets into like this medical discussion. And I think belonging to the church would mean, and I think you're going to find this in Hebrews 13, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 Timothy chapter 5, where it's going to say, subject yourself to the church leadership if you belong to the church. And so I think maybe some of the wiggle room or maybe the gray area where this exists is maybe you find a church that doesn't ask you to be a covenant member of the church. Well, then I would say, uh, you probably have some wiggle room or you might have some wiggle room in there to, hey, I belong to this church in the way that the leadership of this church has asked me to belong in this church, but the leadership of this church hasn't asked me to make a covenant. I think one of the things that that I struggle with just in relation to maybe a lot of people of our generation is there's a real hesitancy when it comes to covenantal, right? Like when there's something that comes with that level of promise to it, you know what I mean? Like I'm committed to this and I, and I, I don't, you know, I, there's nothing biblical that says sign this sheet of paper, mm-hmm. right? You may go to a church that says you can become a covenant member by simply taking this class and then I don't know, raising your right hand and doing the Boy Scout motto. I don't know. That's that's up to each church, and each church has freedom to walk in that, what it looks like. But I would say that there's an importance in, and we find this laid out through the pages of Scripture, in submitting to the church leadership at the church that you call home. And so I would say maybe some of the black and white that can help you wrestle with this is, what is the church leadership at the church that you're a part of asking you to do, right? And if it's 
If it's make a covenantal promise if you want to become a church member, then I would say if you desire to remain a part of that church, then submit to the leadership of that church. And I think that's a biblical. I know I find that to be a biblical concept um, throughout Scripture. Do you think church leaders have a responsibility of maintaining who's inside and who's outside the membership by means of church discipline? Mm. Does that ask question make so, sense? Yeah, ask it again. Sorry. Maybe yeah. maybe frame it again for my infant do, mind. Do you think the responsibility of leadership is to also kick people out of church membership based on behaviors based on uh, I find Matthew chapter 18 uh, is kind of one of those passages where they're dealing with conflicts and it's specifically conflict and you know it kind of steps up that ladder of progression and one of those steps is take it to the church and so I think I would contend yeah church leadership probably has a responsibility to figure out what that looks like should somebody come in here to help resolve those kind of issues and so it's this is another reason that i would contend church membership is so important because if it's just i show up and i belong and i do those things well does that mean that everybody who attends a church service in matthew chapter 18 and that progression of conflict resolution like hey i just show up here but today this is going to be like an episode of jerry springer and i'm coming in here to help you resolve this conflict even though i don't resolve that and so i think for church leadership looking at that going okay who who is vested in this church, who is bought into this church, who is made a covenant with this church to uphold the values of this church and can help us walk out issues that arise between other church members. And then the other reason that I would say that I would that I would contend that at least some sort of commitment to church is you find in the page of Scripture, even in Matthew 18, that if you can't resolve these conflicts, then remove them. How do you remove someone from something they don't belong to, right? And so I think that's another Again, it's a gray area. That's not a black and white. It's not like you have to sign the covenant commitment or have to do the Boy Scout motto or have to do whatever it may be. But it's it is I'm subjected to the authority and then I can't if if you don't ever belong to something, how can you be removed from something? And so that kind of eliminates church discipline. Yeah, but it makes me think, especially in modernity, membership is just kind of an and I don't mean to minimize its importance. I really don't know its level of importance, to be honest. And that's part of the reason I'm glad to be having this conversation. But it seems like an ad hoc solution to problems that didn't actually exist in the first century, right? Mm-hmm. Is because uh, one of the huge differences between uh, modern church in America and first century church in Palestine is just the reality of the fact that there wasn't there wasn't a church or there was only one church in every town versus like drive down the street in Aiken and you'll you'll pass <laughs> five to ten of them, right? Yeah. And so there's there's that in a sense, and there's there's also like we have this modern phenomenon of people who are coming to the church, the, a Christian church, for example, and just kind of checking things out mm-hmm. that that didn't really exist in the first century, or at least if it did, we don't have any reference to it in scripture that I'm aware of because most of the time that you see somebody who's you're discussing or one of the, one of the biblical characters are discussing theological truths with somebody. It's not inside the church. It's outside the church. So you don't have people just kind of checking things out. Now we have seeker sensitive or seeker driven churches and stuff like that. And that's Mm -hmm. a very different thing. So it's a lot more difficult um, to tell inside versus outside. And that's not just an issue in modernity because you do have like, you have John Calvin talking about the difference between the visible and the invisible church. You have after the Donatist controversy, you have August, uh, Augustine or Augustine, however you pronounce his (laughs) name. Um, 
kind of pointing out that the only way you can tell who's inside or outside the church is at judgment and not before because you don't know what's going on inside people's hearts. So you do have like confusion over who should be considered inside and outside. But I would say that like it's a lot more clear, especially in a first century context than it is in modernity. So we had to have some way of maybe determining this person is in, this person is out, and this is the formalized process by which we determine that. But you didn't have that formalized process. Yes, you had all of the principles that kind of exist in membership in in an ideal world, like commitment to the church um, in the sense that you're committed to some doctrinal principles and commitment to the church in the sense that you're relationally committed to the people around you, um, as well as, you know, it's overall the well-being of the church. I think that for me in this whole thing, like I would back up maybe to kind of the disclaimer and just again, throw this out there. I don't, I 100% believe that you can be a Bible-believing follower of Jesus and fall on either side of this debate. And I also believe that you can get into heaven and never sign a covenantal church membership decree at a church that you're a part of, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's anybody that would try to argue that with me, I think is going to be on some very shaky footing. I think this is, this is, for me, it's certainly more of a debate of, not even a debate, a discussion of, am I, should I, and this is kind of the way that I frame the question in my head and I would answer the question, yes, again, should I belong? Should I be committed to the church, the local church body to which I call myself belonging in yeah. some form or facet? You know yeah. what I mean? Is that, a, is that a biblical, is that a biblical concept that I would be committed to protecting the unity of con- con- believing the doctrinal statements of the church that I believe in to practicing what they're asking me to practice, doing what they're asking me to do. Is that an essential or a necessary part of the Christian life? And for me, I would say, yes, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. If, if the, if the question we're asking is whether or not a person should be committed to a specific group as a congregation, then I think unquestionably you should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, some of them were like, go ahead, Sam. Sorry. That's okay. Um, I'm just, I agree with that, the answer to that question. But going back to membership, like I've heard a couple, a couple different things. I've heard in and out, belong or not belong. And then there was one more that I, it just left me. But my thought about all of this is that on this podcast before, we've said that Jesus drew circles. He didn't draw lines. And we're talking about membership or not a member or in or out. That feels like a hard line. I think I struggle with that analogy. Like I've heard other pastors and that's become kind of a common what thing. Help me. What does that mean? What, why circles not? Yeah, lines? that was a, that was a phrasing made popular by, uh, some of the controversial stuff going on. You can go research this if you want to. We don't have time to get in this discussion right now at North Point and all that stuff that's been going on there with Andy Stanley. And, and we don't have time and I don't want to make that discussion central to this conversation. And it was, mm-hmm. it was along the lines of inclusion and exclusion and those kind of things. And my, my struggle with that is, circles still have lines right so you're still either inside of the circle or outside of the circle so it's like I, uh that's that's kind of you know that's kind of clinging to straws for me and i, and I you know i think grasping at straws is that i said the expression wrong dang it. <laughs> uh, that's a genetic trait for my mom we just make up expressions yeah, and you don't know it's tired you just kind of get it close but you know you people know what i meant uh <laughs> So if you don't um, clarify, it adds a level of depth. That, <laughs> yeah. It's on the listener. Yeah. 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 I hope that you listened to that and it made you dive deeper into this. What did he even mean? Yeah. Um, exactly. But 
was kind of that that type of conversation. And I think one of the interesting thoughts that kind of launched out of that as we got into this discussion in staff meeting was, what's the point? You know what I mean? If we're talking about church membership and those kind of things. And I've wrestled with that question since we talked about it. And I think this is why I fell on the side of, yes, belonging to a covenant community of believers isn't essential. And I believe that there is a point in you making a covenant is because we are a culture who doesn't do that and has lost the value of that in the same way like nobody this would be absurd right but the church is described and given marriage imagery in the scriptures right in relation to jesus and our belonging to jesus and that kind of stuff no one would say for a long period of time if you weren't just trying to evade taxes or something like that like this is my husband we've never had a wedding We've never signed anything. We've never filled out any paper, but I just view him as my husband. Like Common I, law marriage? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's gone away with for the most part, right? Yeah. Because we recognize there's an importance that we have inside of us a need for, no, I need you to, I need you to promise some things if we're going to be in this relationship together. And then I need you to live up to those promises and I need to be able to hold you accountable. Well, to and that, that almost draws in like, an area of interest for me when it comes to stuff like this, which is so we we recognize that there's a practical need for recognizing inside the circle, ow, outside the <laughs> circle versus one side of the line or other side of the line. I don't I don't know what language is best to describe that or, or how cautious we should be when it comes to inclusion versus exclusion. But there's there's some sociological significance to having like a ritualized process for being included in a group right mm -hmm. that you see that everywhere and it's the same thing with marriage like we have the benefit of being able to look back historically and see for thousands of years you have rituals that signify the joining of two people together um i mean it's it's biblical precedence from genesis right mm -hmm. um but the question of how formalized should the process be and what should the ritual look like is that's a big question mark in my head because you not only do you not see an expression of of a requirement for some ritualistic process when it comes to being included in a church i don't, I don't know how i was going to finish that sentence but that's i guess the point i'm making you don't see you don't see a ritual explicitly mm -hmm. like mentioned for membership in the church in the new testament well that's kind of where i'm struggling at the moment Struggle is a strong word. Uh, what I've simplified it down to in my mind is, for sure, membership is not one-dimensional. It's not on any level as simple as, did I sign the paper or I didn't. Uh, I think the Bible gives us a lot of things like that, that it's, it's more of a, where am I as an individual? Where does my heart sit on this? Uh, because there's, you know, if you read any of the documentation or anything of what church membership has meant over time and that sort of thing, um, surviving documents, published things, you don't see the the line at the end where you sign your name. You see statements about, I, I affirm mm. the things that these people that I'm joining affirm. And also that it's not just about receiving, it's about I'm becoming what they're going to do for me, I am also now doing for them, which is that covenant aspect of it. Um, it's, it's more than more than being a consumer, mm -hmm. um, which I think that word gets thrown around a lot. It probably has some weight to it for that reason. Uh, in my mind, membership is that point where you have, and I don't know that it's a line that you cross one day, um, 
I think it could be, uh, if you're somebody like me that doesn't always read the room, you can be far enough into a relationship before you go, okay, I need to propose to this girl. <laughs> like, th- there's the moment where you look back and go, wait, I've, I've arrived somewhere, um, or I'm a lot further to a destination than what I thought. Mm-hmm. And and that's the point where perhaps you say, yeah, I'm, I'm now a part of this church in, in a way that I can't be separated from it. Um, and I look at that, you mentioned church discipline, both of you did. Mm-hmm. Um, hearing y'all talk about it is the first time I've kind of thought about, you, know, you always think about conflict in terms of maybe two members fighting or somebody creating disunity. Uh, but I think there's probably an easier way of when you have leadership say, all right, we're going to do this. And uh, Philip has said before, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. Um, and there's probably a very good metric there of, am I going to follow what's been said? Um, not love it, not hate it, but am I just at a basic level going to comply, but also do so without causing a problem if I don't think this is the way we need to go? Am I willing to be have my direction set by someone who's a little bit further along on this journey than me, but also has a different vision as a leader? Uh, and I don't think you accomplish that with the paper, mm-hmm. but I also can't say that signing the paper isn't an important part of saying, yeah, is it is it baptism in the sense that, you know, rings signify marriage, baptism signifies salvation? I don't know, but that'd be like having a marriage where you never, ever live with that person. I mean, you're not in the covenant relationship. Yeah. Well, and I I like the word covenant for several reasons that you guys have already kind of pointed out. I'm nervous about the use of the word covenant because covenant is pretty weighty, at least in a biblical context, and we're not told to make a covenant to a church. And I thought that covenant, anytime there was a covenant agreement, blood was shed. Sam, are you saying that <laughs> now you're signing your church membership with a bloody finger? No, I mean... That sounds yeah, like something I read in I, Harry Potter. I see what you're saying, and there's a lot of precedence for that, right? The Old Testament sacrificial system was mm-hmm. set up in the context of a covenant. The new covenant was set up under Christ's crucifixion. So yes. um, that should be part of the ritualized process now for church <laughs> membership. Yeah. I didn't know if there was a, no, a transition, like, we have, like Old Testament we use, sacrificial, I mean, animals, there was blood. Now we have Jesus. So was there at one point I think I think and, it's a theological and literary motif to have blood exist as part of the covenant. And what I mean is that, like, it was an important part of God's, of the history of salvation for God to have ways for us to think through things that are very difficult to grasp and the shedding of blood and the old Testament was a precursor to the shedding of Christ's blood, which mm-hmm. was the plan of salvation from the beginning. Now we're explicitly talking about something that I think most of us have already agreed. It's not, it's not salvation mm-hmm. significant. Right. Um, so it may be different in that sense, but I definitely agree with where you're coming from that. Like we, we have covenants, we have literal covenants, we have biblical covenants that actually exist. And we're talking about membership in the context of a covenant. And we do the same thing with marriage, but, uh, and it, well, and is there more biblical precedence for thinking of marriage as a covenant than there is membership? I don't know. I'd have to, me too. Yeah, off the top of my head, I'd have to look but at it. But at least for membership, I'm, and 
unlike you guys, I looked a little bit before we started this podcast, but I don't see any covenant language used in reference to belonging to a church, just like we don't see a ritualized process. Yeah, I think I, I use the word not in the same, like not. So, yeah, to clarify, I use the word covenant in this discussion, not in the same as like Old Testament covenant or new covenant under Jesus's blood but almost in the same way that we'd use it in a modern English language to describe a marriage, right? And I, I, again, I don't know. I'd have to go do some research to figure out where that gets its. The reason that I use covenant is because it, it feels like we've years and years of human nature is cheapened the word promise, right? Like just like we've cheapened the word love. Like yeah. you start telling people you love them in middle school, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And maybe you do. I'm not doing to shoot down your relationship. Maybe <laughs> you do and you'll get married, and, but probably not. Um, and so... I use that word to specifically to just to carry a little bit more weight because I think it still has the ability to do that given our current English vernacular and the way that we would think about that word covenant like it still does. So I don't want it. So I guess to maybe add clarification to the comments I made, I don't want it to have the same weight. You don't want it elevated to yeah, the same, to the level same as, as Christ's covenant, covenant with yeah. us in blood. Well, and there's, there's another like uh, beneficial quality about using the word covenant and that's Covenant is different from a promise in the sense that a promise makes me beholden to you. A covenant between us makes us beholden to us, us yeah. right? And I think that's the other reason that I would use it with church because that's the picture that I see biblically of the church, whether it be first century or whether it be anything. So else. in the case of membership, the question for me is to whom does the individual enter into covenant with the entirety of the body, church leadership, Christ well, himself? That's where I got hung up because covenant's a cool word and all, but you said church. And it's real easy to to look at church and say, you know, big C, little C. But in our current time, you know, that can glitch into a lot of different things. Is it the the church as an idea? Is it my local church? But is it also my local church as a 501c3? Yeah. Because at that point, you know, when you hear membership and you hear organizational membership, to to what are you – entering into covenant with but also uh you know as a membership are we looking at members in terms of a head count are we looking at members in the sense of the body has members and it can't function without the parts so you're being a part but those words like you said they they get glossed over so easily what do you mean yeah i want to ask another what do you mean (laughs) discipline that that word's scary. And if you're not a member of a church and now you're saying I should be a member, but I'm going to be subject to discipline. What what does that mean? Yeah. How does the church discipline its members? Yeah, You're asking a question that's drastically different depending upon some of the categories that have been named earlier in terms of what type of church you're talking about, what the structure of their faith is and those kind of things. And, and we, that would be probably a whole nother discussion if we wanted to go into a discussion on church discipline. But my understanding, like from the purpose of even the 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 membership agreement i think is what we call it here is the official name of the paperwork here so we won't use the word covenant again but the membership agreement here is like the ma uh yeah you sign the ma document uh that spells mad we want to go there (laughs) uh, is you know is we're committing to uphold the things that are expressed in here what this church believes as foundational truths built on that are kind of those close-handed non-negotiable issues and then what we believe we have to do and that's why i think covenant does fit in this is it's a it's a between us the church is going to do this i am going to do this christ is going to do this so to back up maybe a little bit ben i think it was to your question there's a lot of what ifs on the table maybe trying to bow tie all of them together 
I would say that if we're going to use the covenant language, I would say at least the way that we're structured right now, and most churches that I've ever been a part of or done any research of are structured that it's a covenant between the body, the head of the body, and then the ultimate head of the body, which is Christ, as laid out in Colossians and Ephesians. You know what I mean? It's Christ being the head of that. So it's a covenant between all of those. And I think when you talk about discipline, I think that's a weird, weird, like it's because again, it's a, it's a word that means a lot of things. Like, I don't think that it ever means in the biblical context, like call them up front and spank them with a belt in front of it. Like you would a child, maybe if you parent that way, and that's a different discussion for a different day. Um, but that once we enter into that, that discipline could simply remain. And we do see precedence for this in the passage that we referenced in, um, in Matthew, that there's precedence for sometimes discipline means I remove you from this organization, that you're no longer a part of this covenant community that you were once a part of. Yeah, this this can be maybe a helpful like um, parallel or metaphor, but it's like, and maybe even for membership as well, but like with an HOA, like there's there's a sense of accountability that comes along with that, where it's you have certain expectations. Most people hate HOAs now. And they use the word covenant, too. Yeah. So there you go. Maybe even that word's been cheapened by now. <laughs> but the idea is that you're kind of held accountable to certain standards, like the way you keep your yard, where you park your cars, like all of that good stuff. Um, accountability would be reminding you or sending you a letter. I don't know how it works in an HOA because I'm not in one. But, um, hey, you you haven't mowed your grass in X amount of time. But you you knew moving in that you were submitting yourself to the rules of that HOA. So discipline is what happens when over and over again you're told uh, you're not living uh, consistently with the principles that you agreed with when you decided to move into this neighborhood with an HOA. You decided of your own free will and volition to submit to the the covenant right. of this HOA. Now you're refusing. Now you've been warned. You're continuing to refuse. Then comes discipline. So for anybody who's thinking about becoming a church member, that's one of the reasons why it's important to try to recognize as much as you can about what the church expects of you, because you may end up in a situation where you're asked to do something that you never wanted to agree to from the beginning. So That kind of goes back to what James was saying about being in a relationship for so long and then looking back and realizing you should have proposed or maybe you should have joined church membership. Like, what if this is the church for the messy, for the broken, for the hurting, for the messed up? I don't know. It, I'm just I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain yeah, around it. Yeah, it's tough. And and we we want to stay and make sure that we always are a church for the messy and the broken and the messed up. Uh, but if they stay messy and broken and messed up, maybe excluding messy, because most of us are probably still <laughs> messy, um, but broken, messed up, hurting, lost. Mm-hmm. Those are adjectives you don't want to describe you for the entirety of your life and your right. faith walk. Right. You want to be taking I, yeah, next steps. And in- one of those next steps is submitting yourself to. A bigger authority. Yeah, but I think it's an also an important distinction to make too. Like, because you enter into a membership agreement or a covenant or whatever your church calls it, those adjectives, despite the fact that they're hopefully getting less and less true in terms of the descriptiveness of your life, are always true of your life this side of eternity, right? And so I think I would differentiate because I ask people to uphold the covenant, the covenant of the church, or the membership agreement of the church. The church isn't asking for for perfection because it's not that. What we're asking for is a willing submission to the church and to Christ. And that happens. Sanctification is a process, right? Becoming more like Jesus is a process that takes takes place over however long we're 
from the moment of conversion until the moment of our death is that process and it, and it yeah. takes place. In well, and that's, that that's a biblical set. model for discipline is yeah. that it's handled with restoration and mm-hmm. redemption in mind. Sure. It's not as if here's, here's the standard, fall short of the standard, become cursed anathema <laughs> that be thrown out <laughs> of the church body. Um, it's when you fall short, the, the idea is that you're agreeing upon a common standard mm-hmm. and recognizing that every single person is going to fall short. Yeah. Um, but, the idea is redemption to restore somebody to the community. Yeah. And, so, and that's, the, and that's was one of the things when we started backing up at the beginning of it, the, when I kind of framed it in, can I have the fullness of joy that God's calling me to? I think this is why it's so important that you foundationally have a black and white. Like there's gotta be some standard that by which it's why scripture is important. It's why we can't just throw out the book and go, Hey, just do whatever you want to do. Like there's a, there is a foundation there that God's law that remains even in the new covenant, the aspects of God's law that we see remain even in the new covenant that Paul and his letters and all of the new Testament is going to testify after Jesus. These things are still good and right for your life. Those are standards that we submit to not because they're going to produce salvation, but because, because of our salvation and our regenerated heart, we understand is going to lead to a deeper and fuller joy in our life. And so I look at church membership, should you decide, and again, I would say if you go to a church that the, that the leadership says, then we can see black and white in scripture that the membership says, that the leadership says you should submit to this. If you want to be a part of that church, biblically, you should submit to what the leadership says. And the reason that I would say that is because it's going, it's not, going to make you more Christian. It's not going to make you a better person or make you belong more in heaven or anything like that. It's simply going to allow you to, in partnership with the Holy Spirit and the local church, submit your life to walk in a more fullness of joy and experience the ability to fully glorify God in the way that you were intended to. Yeah. And I, I hear a lot of the, the tension and some of the questions you're asking between trying to figure out like, what place does or should exclusion or inclusion play in the conversation when it comes to church stuff? Is that, would that be a faithful representation of kind of what you're thinking through or struggling with? Yeah. And I, I think I, you know, some of it is a, a true internal struggle and some of it is for the sake of the conversation, because mm-hmm. had, I, I, I wanted to make sure we got to this point of it. It's not salvation. It's, it's a process. It's sanctification, but you know, I, I want that said out loud because so far it seems like a, there's a lot of in and out. I think and like I think there's a couple. there's a differentiation. You know, we kind of had the discussion over covenant and promise and those words being so, so similar, but also so different. I think there's also two very similar words that we need to differentiate between when we're talking about church membership for the discussion, at least in my mind, when I'm talking about church membership. And that's participate versus belong. Right. And I think that there's you can fully participate in the ministry of a local church before you're a follower of Christ, before you're willing to submit yourself to all of those things. But for me, at least at the church that I'm at, or maybe at the church that you're at, or for the listener that's listening to this, to belong and to to do what the church leadership is asking you to do, if it is church membership, and I don't know where people are that are listening to this, when you when you cross that divide, maybe, and I don't think divide's the right word, but when you make that decision of I want to go from participating, from simply consuming or using or whatever it may be, to belonging to this organization, regardless of what frame we're putting around that organization, for me, I find biblical precedence that you, you're going to submit to the leadership of the organization that you belong to. And that means affirming the belief statements living out the practices, doing those kind of things. I, I would I would add, and I just thought about this when James was talking a little bit ago, 
your membership or your signature at the bottom of the membership is useless if it doesn't change anything about you, right? Like if it's if it's simply I went to the class, I listened to the thing, and then I signed the paper so that I could be saved in a church database as a member, like that was – please don't do that. That's pointless. My hope in and why I would tell you that church membership and at least examining it at your church and your local body is important is because I think if you will go to those classes and they're – they're taught well and your church hopefully is led well and those things are happening your submission to those things is an important aspect of your christian development in your christian life as long as the things that you're asked to submit to are biblical but why why a formalized process i guess is what is always bouncing around in my head yeah i I, I hate to be the guy that asked this but why not uh, yeah, but I don't. I yeah. don't think that's a legitimate argument for. I mean, yeah, no, I'm not. Something or yeah, no, I'm not arguing. I, I would right? say that if you asked me to answer why, I wouldn't answer it from a biblical mandate. I would answer it from well, a maybe a little bit. One? Yeah, but okay. a little bit of both. I think it's kind of a blended thing. I would say because we live in a culture that is so cheap and that is so hesitant to commit to anything, mm-hmm. that the more I hate to say ritualistic, because I again I don't. I, no, ritual is important. Yeah, I, it uh, matters. It makes a difference. I think. The more that you can set aside time, just like a wedding, like the more that you can set aside something to meaningfully sit, whether it be a ritual, whether it be a class, whether it be a signature, whether you go to Sam's church and you have to cut your finger and sign it in your blood because it's a covenant promise. Uh, I'm just kidding. Sam goes to our church and we do not have to do that. Disclaimer again. Yet. <laughs> uh, we also don't have any rules against it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, why that's not? Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you sign however you want to sign. Um, is for me it's 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 a it's a discipline to my own heart that i think is necessary for me to go i think back and look back at this moment that i made a commitment that i didn't just simply go well i've been going here for a while i already give my money i already serve in the kids department i already do these things so of course i belong there's a moment that i said come hell or high water I'm backing this. Mm-hmm. Like these are the things that I'm backing. These are the beliefs that I'm backing. These are the practices that I'm backing. This is what I believe that not just church leadership, but again, church leadership as well as God Himself has called me to in my relationship with Jesus. And so I'll sign, I'll stand in front of the church, I'll do whatever needs to be done ritualistically and practically to go, I belong to this. Yeah. Well, um, come hell or high water, I'm backing this for, for me though, can, be kind of a dangerous statement as sure. well as like a a really healthy and positive statement of commitment right mm-hmm. because the church as an institution isn't perfect and that's another thing you see in yeah. in modern culture and there's some good to it and there's some bad to it but a lack of trust in institutions and i think it's because important. of past experience yeah and but, i think it's important like I, I i use that and i almost was hesitant when i said that the hell or high water comment i was almost hesitant to use it but i think it's important like i wish that more this is as a church leader what i genuinely i wish that more people would engage with that process and what i don't mean by that is come to the class listen to the class sign the document i mean ask questions read the scripture that we base our foundational theological beliefs come back and ask questions of church leadership about why we believe what we believe in this statement why we unpack this scripture exegetically to mean what we believe in believes and all that kind of stuff don't and I think that's one of the reasons that I think this is such an important thing. Don't lightheartedly enter into anything. And I think that's one of the reasons that I would say this is so important because we're at a culture that cheapens everything. But it's just like, well, I can just do it. And then if I don't want to do it anymore, and then it spirals into, you see it spiral into what we get in the culture that we live in today, where, where if, I, if I stop liking the music here, then I can bounce. Or if I the lights get too bright because James changed them for Christmas, then I can bounce. Or if I... 
you know, this pastor taught this way and this pastor taught this way, then I can bounce. And it's never a, I'm part of this family. It's I'm a consumer of this organization. And I don't find anywhere biblically yeah, you first don't, century. You don't leave your family because your uncle smells funny. Yeah. You may want to. Yeah. But. You go sit on the other side of the couch, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, this has been great, guys. I hope our listeners get a lot out of this and I hope to find out what they thought about it. So when this podcast drops, we're going to do a few different posts on social media. Um, follow us on Instagram at Grace in the Gray podcast. And we're going to have some some interactive questions in the form of polls or just in your comments. Um, let us know what you thought. What's your stance on church membership? Are you a church member? Did this motivate you to become a church member? Or did you decide after this that, no, nope, that's not for me? So let us know. Follow us on Instagram. And then also, if you're listening on Apple Podcast, um, subscribe. Make sure you subscribe so that way every time we put out a new episode, you're notified. But it also helps our podcast show up for other people who might be interested in topics like you are. So thanks for listening to Grace in the Gray podcast, where we use the black and white of Scripture to speak truth into the gray areas of culture. Peace. Amen. Amen.